We talked a little bit about samadhi and we'll talk some more about that. And this is a kind of ongoing theme of practice, sati, mindfulness and samadhi. But uh, I want to talk about panya today. So in the kind of triad, sila, samadhi, panya, virtue, and meditation and wisdom, and samadhi is used rather broadly, and wisdom is used rather broadly. Um, and in this case it refers to right view. And so in a way one only um, develops and, and abides in right view through, through the power of sila and samadhi, kind of it, it generates that, you begin to fully understand the nature of karma, you know, so very often just the result of a retreat, you begin to see, oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. It's really bad for me. So, you know, by behavior, ethical things, even um, subtler things like the things one concerns oneself with or absorbs into or things one reads or looks at, you begin to kind of get more of a, of a sense of shaping things up because of karma. It's whatever you attend to, put yourself into, then you read the results of it. This is a kind of fundamental aspect of right view to recognize that it's not all, you know, on the conventional level, it's not all one and everything is fine, just as it is. There's definitely rights and wrongs. It's a dualistic. <laughs> the suffering and not suffering on the kind of that level which we live in. <clears throat> so, you know, this is Panya. So, Panya is. Different is often translated as wisdom. Another translation, discernment, which is, uh, I think, very useful because it, it gives you perhaps the uh, sense of the, the, the kind of sharpness, the ability to discriminate this between this and that. So that uh, panya is mostly associated with the ability to, to be dualistic, <laughs> you know, to be proud of being dualistic. <laughs> You know, this is suffering, this is not suffering. Uh, whereas uh, what's called jnana or gnosis or something fuller is, is a non-dualistic experience which comes from the skillful use of dualistic uh, discernment, discrimination. You know, and you clear away the, the debris of, of, uh, of um, ignorance and then you can have a more Gnostic experience, which is more like a meeting something than an actual conceiving of it. It's something you can meet things <coughs> fully. And you can only really, uh, on that level, gnosis, and the level of gnosis then is very much a meeting, a non dualistic um, opening to receiving. Um, sometimes this is called love, in uh, some, some religions talk about it in that, that sense. Um, or, or in Buddhism it's more anya, realization, jnana, gnosis so that you're actually fully just feeling and sensing something well, you only want to do that when what you're fully feeling isn't going to shred you beat you up or drive you nuts you know? so the sense of panya is to cut away it's a, the image is a sword, panya it's got an edge to it. 
So this is obviously very relevant when one you see on the kind of ordinary level just to even um, you know as one begins to cultivate what do we put aside, what do we cut off, what do we set set aside. Yeah. That's done through Panya. It's discernment. We all have that. Uh, it's not a uh, it's not a kind of a particular set of an ideology. But uh, one might say that generally you can see that, um, you know, we agree that certain things are better to put aside by and large. <coughs> and uh, this is, so the preliminary function is manasikara or yoniso manasikara, wise attention or systematic attention. And in the Sabhasava Sutta, <coughs> says an unthought ordinary person <coughs> does not understand what things are fit for attention what things are unfit for attention since that is uh, since that is so he attends to those things unfit for attention and does not attend to those things fit for attention what are the things unfit for attention so you know this is the kind of what is the primitive material well that's actually not particular things, it's, it's knowing how things affect you. There are things such that when one attends to them, the unarisen taint or flood, outflow of sense desire arises. And the arisen, or if it's arisen, the arisen taint of sensual desire increases. So the sense desire. So we attend to things that actually stimulate that. And it's you know, varies, but most people these could be obvious things we sexuality, um, you know, pleasurable tastes, odors, and so forth. <coughs> then the unarisen taint of being or becoming, bhava, arises, and the arisen taint of becoming increases. <coughs> so this becoming is the that movement towards some state in the future. So it's got that drive to become something. It's about the um, identity, establishing one identity around some state. It's, it's that which seeks to kind of land and onto some projected state or possibility and you know, colonize that. <coughs> the unarisen taint of ignorance, avijja, arises and the arisen taint of ignorance increases. <coughs> so ignorance, <coughs> in a sense, can be considered various kinds of wrong views, uh, delusions, um, uh, direct biases of opinions, views, delusions, uh, or just the kind of um, abstraction or non-awareness of the mind. So awija can be something like either seeing things wrongly or not seeing things at all. Mm. So things that tend towards that. So this could be things like abstract thought, um, 
<clears throat> Nature of the cosmos, um, things that one doesn't actually have direct experience of, or can have a direct experience of, and yet one, one ponders them and fascinates oneself with them. Yeah. So we look at the, uh, the things that what is it, you shouldn't think, speculate about Nibbana, for example. It, it, it doesn't work. Uh. <clears throat> this is how one attends unwisely. Was I in the past? Was I not in the past? What was I in the past? How was I in the past? Having been what? What did I become in the past? Shall I be in the future? Shall I not be in the future? What shall I be in the future? How shall I be in the future? Having been what? What shall I become in the future? Or else he is inwardly perplexed about the present. Thus, am I? Or am I not? What am I? How am I? Where has this being come from? Where will it go? When one attends unwisely in this way, one of six views arises. The view self exists for me arises as true and established. Or the view no self exists for me arises as true and established. Or the view I perceive self with self arises. Or the view I perceive not self with self arises. Or the view I perceive self with not self (laughs) arises as true and established. Or else he has some such view as this. It is this self of mine that speaks and feels and experiences here and there the result of good and bad actions. But this self of mine is permanent, everlasting, eternal, not subject to change, and would endure as long as eternity. <coughs> so it's his um, self view. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, one, when one attends wisely one attends this is suffering this is the origin this is the cessation this is the way leading to the cessation when one attends wisely in this way three fetters are abandoned personality view doubt and adherence to the rules and observances these are called the taints that should be established abandoned by seeing <clears throat> so essentially it's a, it's quite a cutting away of the what's called the thicket of views and uh, <clears throat> it's a, very much a tailoring of mental activity so we can see that <coughs> this is something that's um, <clears throat> essential just to even begin cultivation and it's an essential aspect to kind of keep alive and working as one's cultivating and you know material thoughts, emotions, moods, inclinations are coming up you know, you've got that panya sword saying, well is this, is this going to get anywhere or is it not? Hmm? what is it? Yeah. and so, I mean, certainly in the ongoing process of meditation a lot of it is you're not quite certain so stuff comes up and you have to be with it for a while no, no, this is this is just you know, you begin to get the feeling for it. So the, the feeling it out is really the results of sati and samadhi. Sati bringing your mind to bear on it and with some bhajanya really feeling it 
And samadhi is essential because it's that gives you the kind of mooring post to measure things against. Like this is steady, this is calm, this is the good energy, this is the straightness, this is the joyfulness. This stuff is just wearing it down. So then get off. <laughs> you know, samadhi's got some strength to it. You don't just sit there let, letting yourself be chewed up. You say, look, shove off, you know. Samadhi's got some strength. Um, so, you know, in some way, wisdom generates samadhi. Samadhi generates or supports wisdom. <clears throat> I think it's quite often the case that one ruefully recognizes, oh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be, having to be thinking that, I shouldn't be feeling that, and then here we go again, you know. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's involuntary, isn't it? So you need a samadhi to say, look, I've decided this is not on, so just shove it, huh? <laughs> Cut off, stop, you know? And you've got something to refer to where you can, it's not just a wish, you've got a real quality of some groundedness or some presence you can attend to in order to, to detach or to uh, starve the other stuff. <clears throat> so that's so that's samadhi and panya, how they work to, how they work together. So we begin with recognizing, say the the uh, what karma is about, and how that's occurring in the heart, and how you may not do very much to other people, but certainly. If you keep thinking in certain ways, your mind develops a, a rut and it goes down that avenue. Yeah. That's, that's the result. You may not do anybody else any harm directly, but if you keep attending in certain unskillful ways, your mind will develop that habit, it just flows down that. Yeah. So though you may kind of get some sense of, well, that's just the way it is, but, you know, really... Yeah. Don't be philosophical about it. It's a matter of it doesn't have to be that way. It's like the Buddha saying here, you know, this is not something that is myself, constant, permanent, everlasting. I don't have to be this way. And one of the the um, things to that is essential, I think, for for all of us is the sadha, the faith quality that often we may lack, which means, you know, when you don't have faith, you don't think you can change. You don't think things can change. One of the aspects of right view is to recognize there are beings who have, through their own perseverance, uh, realized awakening. They came from the same, you know, crummy thoughts or whatever, you know, and they could realize it. So, but if you don't have that quality, then one tends to, in fact, kind of be much more allowing to the um, to the unskillful habits of the mind. You know, oh well, you know, just uh, this. So you, you feel the results of the, the even that kind of absence of that sadhana, faith, aspiration, courage. You know. Mm-hmm. So, you have this kind of list, sadha, virya, sati, samadhi, panya, faith, or aspiration, 
I say it also is a, it's a courage, the daring to to aspire against all reason. <laughs> Virya, the ability to persist and you know do what it takes to apply oneself. Sati, always trying to bring it into the present moment. If you get into the too much of the big pictures about. You know, you in an unskillful state of mind. You, oh, this is eternal. This goes on forever. That kind of mood takes over. Then one has lost sati. It's actually, you know, it's it's now, isn't it? And you don't have to say, I will never have another stupid thought. But right now, I can cut. I can cut this one. I can stop this one for this amount of time. Therefore, you know, that sense of this is me, myself, impossible to stop is a lie and it's the fundamental wrong view that that makes all the rest of the hindrances strong and then you samadhi you get the sense of touching into an inner strength inner composure inner groundedness which may not be very strong or long at first But because of that, then one has the, the place, the stand, standing place where you can then get your sword out and, and uh, dis- discriminate, discern. You know, when I think of this, my mind goes this way. Uh, There may be particular topics, um, but apart from it's not exactly the topic so much as the mood tone that goes with it, that kind of collapsing into, <laughs> which is the flood, the asava. It's rather like, you know, you build a wall of sand and there's water finally cuts through and it just the thing just plop, collapses. Well, you know, this is the thing to watch out for and to be conscientious about whether you can sense yourself just kind of collapsing into a flood or that it's something one can actually wisely investigate which is a, a heightened form of the panya called dhamma you can actually begin to see how a hindrance works but there's a difference between dhamma-vijaya the ability to wisely investigate and, and penetrate um, the nature of conditions, uh, hindrances and so forth, you know, re- requires a good degree of um, you know, groundedness, samadhi, so that you're not collapsing into the hindrance.
And uh, there's things you begin to um, recognize if you use banya. Mm. So if you, when you're particularly when you're using even an object for samadhi, whether you have it or not, at least actually your intent is that way to stay with this. And you're off. Where did that happen? And there is a kind of, um, you know, first of all, the habit of of um, being restless, uh, not being able to sustain. Um, energy loss and so forth and there's actually a kind of something that wants to collapse you know it's like they're not having to have effort not having to have that kind of sense of effort just to be able to sag into you know there's a, there's a seductive quality that wants to not have to do that so that something is, you know so in a way we'd like to collapse into samadhi you know the idea, isn't it? Just kind of get in. Oh, everything's all right. Bliss out. But, but you know, you have to be aware of that because that—that's at the beginning. And something comes along that feels like it's—it's got to shift to it, and it's got some energy in it. One can attracted to the energy of something that bothers you, um, disturbs you. Interesting, uh, glowing, attractive, you know, it can be intellectual curiosity or something that gives you a little more zest. And then you kind of just go in, just kind of sidle into that, the wishing to do that. So even, so you have to be, you know, it's kind of witness this process time and time again and, and beyond the actual topic, the very dropping of uh, one's alertness. Recognizing in um, cultivating samadhi that the quality of ikagata, one-pointedness, is a rather l- is a, a rather late development in it. The first thing is viveka, the ability, the ability to stand back. You know, that's your, almost your first quality of, of samadhi, the ability to step, stand back, you know, to separate from. Uh, that's the beginning of it. Can we just keep doing, sustaining that? Yeah. And having developed or sustained that, you feel the impulse, the, the, it can be the impulse to run away, to you know, or to either way, just just to be able to step and stand in the present, not to go into the flows. Vitaka, the ability to to um, determine a mental object term in a focus of attention, uh, conceive it, bring it to mind, mm. can be labeling it, naming it, thinking it, but certainly directly applying one's attention, can we do that? And then sampling it, reflecting on it, vichara, evaluating it, 
sense of where and we're doing that. And these are the things that uh, if you you see even samadhi is separated by wisdom into various, cut apart into various components and it's that particular sequence. So the idea that maybe you just kind of sit and then bonk, plunge straight into one-pointedness is uh, you know, you could get, you could get, you could be lucky. <laughs> you know, depending on on what's what's there for you, but uh, for most of us, some some panya is necessary, some discrimination, and then build building up so that one doesn't drop the uh, that uh, agility. It's particularly because um, mind cultivation, what we might generally call spiritual life, is um, rich with um, views and uh, speculations about the nature of the ultimate, the supreme path and so forth. Uh, Very, very rich with that. If you look in the Brahmajala Sutta, 64 kinds of views, none of them are about which is the best football club in the world. They're all about, you know, spiritual themes. In the nature of the cosmos, the self, the world, is it eternal, not eternal, refined, as things that obviously people have come, come to through um, mind, trying to develop their minds. And some of them obviously are based upon degrees of samadhi that people have experienced. You know, they've had some kind of, you know, "Quote unquote mystical experience," and then they might. And in all of that, in the Brahmajala, the Buddha never comments on the nature of the view. He doesn't agree with it or disagree with it. He doesn't even bother. He just says, "That a targeter knows this view, if if attached to, leads to <laughs> suffering." <laughs> he knows the arising of that view. He knows how attractive it is, and he knows how to let go of it. So he doesn't have a view. Doesn't have a viewpoint, and that's kind of for any of us. That's kind of frustrating, you know. Go on, tell us what it's all about. What's out there, you know? What is nibbana? What is the Buddha says no. Not going to say. <laughs> so people have been trying to work it out ever since the Buddha said, "Don't bother to think about this." For two thousand years, people have been trying to think, been thinking about it. <laughs> what is the nature of the unconditioned? <laughs> don't bother to think about that. That's really interesting. I wonder why he said don't think about it. Just don't think about that. It's not necessary. Well, really, look, it says in this suit, he said don't think about it. Why do you think we should not? You know? <laughs> is it because it's this or is it because it's that? He says don't think about it. It's not this. That's <laughs> 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 humans. <laughs> you know, the, the different Tathagata bodies, lights, you know, energies. And it's just, just this is what, this is suffering. It's, Origin, cessation, path. Consider that the handful of leaves. There's all these big bits. You kind of get one's cognitive appetites. You know, really, you know, the tongue is lolling for something to to chew on. 
what will I become, you know, why was I like this, what will I be in the future, and so forth. So the, the, the Anya is just recognition of, of how very powerful push towards, towards viewpoints. The bramble of views, the thicket of views. But it's not about just kind of going brain dead either. Because you've got to keep that edge. And you just the quality of Panya is not uh, you know, providing all the intellectual information. It's just the edge of discernment. This is on the ball, this is not. This is where your mind becomes present, sharp, gets to the point. This is... So it's that uh, always in cultivation, you know, samadhi or any any cultivation, the Buddha always lists it. This is to be developed. This is to be abandoned. We might consider samadhi as developing the jhana factors towards jhana. This is true and valid. We can also consider samadhi as the abandoning of the hindrances. This is true and valid, and uh, so. You know, which you have, and the two fit together, you know, and it's in the fitting the two together. You know, it's 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 really working. If uh, what you're doing, uh, what you abandon, enables your mental application to become true, accurate, uh, reliable, then you're abandoning it in the right way. You're not just suppressing it or or um, denying it. And if it leads towards the qualities of piti and sukha through that process, you're abandoning in the right way of abandoning. It's not just a, a matter of um, suppressing um, or, you know, it's essentially, or filling up the mind with something. Essentially, you, you cut away that which is, is unhealthy and the health comes through. So there is an effort, yeah, and there is a cut, but the effort is, is twofold, to abandon and to cause to develop. And uh, depending on how you practice your proclivities, there's times when one's more just looking at just, can you just, just cut that off, just put that aside, you know, don't, you know, get worried or upset about What's, you know, you don't have samadhi, or you're never going to get it together, and you know, we're never, never get this this way. That would, that's the thing to be cut off. Rather than you get into that state, and one starts trying to desperately find something to give you the the uh, the good bit, you cut off the bad bit, or the thing that's gnawing and soak and draining your energy, like some kind of vampire. You push it away, and um, every time you can do that, you get a little more burst of of sadhar faith, which touches into your fundamental clarity, fundamental strength, and fundamental trust. <laughs>